God did command in the beginning? What are some other things that God commanded in the beginning? You know, before man was even created, there was really two phases of God's command. The first one, where God gave commands um, before he even gave God uh, commands to man, he actually commanded his created order. He created uh, all of the different things in his creation and created order. God first, God's first recorded command, the first one we see in the Bible, was let there be light. That was God's first actual recorded command. Psalm 148 tells us about other aspects of God's created order. Let me show that to you here up on the screen. Uh, the heavenly host to whom he gave these commands. By the way, this slide represents some of the things we talked about last time. God's orchestration, evaluation, relaxation, and irrigation, the seven days of creation. We're not going to go back over that again, but that was pretty much chapter one and the early part of chapter two. Uh, and so today we'll get into this uh, verse here, Psalm 148. We'll look at all 12 verses. The Bible says, I praise, praise, uh, praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise you him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, all you heavens of heaven, all you heavens of heavens, and you waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Do you see that? We talked last week. Let me just pause and say that one significant feature of the fact that God created is the Hebrew word behind the word created, and that is the word B-A-R-A -A in the Hebrew, bara. It only takes God as its subject. No other noun can be associated with that word because only God can create something out of nothing. Amen? And that's what that word bara means, to make something out of nothing that preexisted it. And so God is the only one who can create and so all of these in his created order are praising him, uh, in a sense, if you will. We know rain can't talk, but if it could, it would say praise him. Amen. We know clouds can't talk. We know dinosaurs can't talk. But if they could, they would say praise him. Amen. And so, and if you will, uh, they all go along the same line. Uh, in verse 6, that we pick it up and says, he has also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, you dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, faithful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maiden, old men and children, all of them give praise to the Lord. Yes. Amen. And so we see that God commanded his created order before he ever created man and commanded man. But all the rest of God's commands that we see in scripture are directed at man and woman. Now that the lights were on in the, in the creation week, God made light and he commanded it and it started to shine. He could see what he was doing. Amen. And so could Adam. Not that God needed to see what he was doing, but it's nice to have the lights on. Amen. Isaiah 45. We'll look at that shows the futility of man feeling like he can do anything um, to God's creative mind and work. Listen to this passage, Isaiah, right up on the screen here for you. Woe to him, Isaiah 45, verse 9, that striveth with his maker. We're going to try to tell God what to do. We're going to try to tell God, no, 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 no. You need to put this mountain over there. You need to put this river over here. I mean, you need to make this water a little greener, a little bluer, whatever, right? Let the potsherd, that's the broken piece of pottery, Strive with a potch with the potchers of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashions it, What makest thou? Right? 
or thy work, uh, he has no hands. Woe to him that said unto him, to uh, unto his father, what begettest thou? Or to a woman, what hast thou brought first? In other words, a little baby going to come out the womb and say, that, that, no, I'm ready to go back in. No, it's too late now. Amen. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command you me. He's really being uh, sarcastic here in a sense. The, 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 the one, I, I'm the one who made the earth. I created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts have I commanded. So yes, we ought to get up every day, folks, thankful to God for just being on the planet. Amen. That's the best we can do out of that verse is rather than fuss at God about what we do or don't have or, you know, we don't have nine, you know, uh, legs and like a spider or octopus or whatever. We ought to be thankful for the two we got. Amen. I'm trying to keep both of them working. I don't know what I could if I could deal with six more. Amen. So we ought to thank him for being on the planet. You know, God gave them stuff they could do. And stuff that they were clearly forbidden to forbidden to do. God's law was the supreme law of the land. You do understand that, yes? So I want us to see what God's command, what God commands, uh, that we're supposed to do while we're down here. What in the world are we supposed to be doing? Okay, so now He made us. He made all of the stuff we saw in the creative six-day week, and then rested on the seventh day, and put us in this garden. So let's talk about this a little bit. So first of all, I want you to see this is that uh, God wants us to stay busy working. Stay busy working. Verses 15 and 19. Notice he put Adam and Eve in the garden to dress it and to keep it. Do you see that in verse 15? Yeah. Okay. Dress it and to keep it. Let's expound on these two words for a minute because it'll help us understand and make some application to our lives today. Dress is the Hebrew word that means to serve. That's its primary meaning and it's primarily translated in other places in the Bible over 227 times in the Old Testament has uh, served for the most part. It also could have the idea of tilling or labor. Um, then the word keep has the idea of observing, guarding, watching, protecting, and preserving. Very similar in some respects, but very different in others is when we have these two nuances. And I want to talk about how that translates into our life today. So as the main designation of dressing the garden is service, the key idea in all honest work, when you think about it, and labor, is to maintain a servant spirit. Everywhere we go, everything we do is about serving God and serving other people. Are you with me? See, we're not above doing anything. You do understand that, right? Okay, I'll run the vacuum cleaner in a minute on my job. Those teachers have earned the right not to do that. They will do it, but I won't let them do it. I, I fuss with my with my with my first line boss where I'm at. She is a what you call a SEIF that stands for a special education uh, uh, instructional facilitator. So I said, ma'am, look, you CIA. And she laughs every time I say that when she's always being apologetic for calling me on the radio if she has a meltdown with a kid and I gotta leave where I'm at and come over and rescue a kid or whatever. Um, and she says, Oh, Mr. Tony, Mr. Tony, I said, Ma'am, look, we had this discussion yesterday. And I'm being funny when I say this. She knows I'm being funny. I say, You see, I aid. Amen. And then we just laugh about it. So that's what I do. Amen. Uh, I'm there. Bottom line, it is what it is. Uh, but, you know, all work is good. Amen. Um, you know, and so I don't have the all of the administrative duties that a thief does, and she shouldn't have the duties of vacuuming up crumbs that kids put on the floor either. That's my job, amen. And it's not—I don't know that it's really my job. I just do it. 
because I have a servant posture. Amen. You know, they have people there that can do that. But why leave crumbs for the custodian at night? Why why have her do 200 rooms, however many in, in, a, in, a, in a school room, when, you know, it'd be one less for her to have to worry about. Amen. And so we do that. We serve. And so everything that we do, everywhere we go, is a servant posture. You know, as the main designation of dressing the garden is service, the key idea in all honest work and labor is to maintain a servant spirit. See, we're not above doing, as I said, anything. We're, we're to serve the boss, the workers, the clients, the company, uh, and its mantra. Uh, the, the second idea is seen in keeping the garden. Do you see that? And that is what we do. Uh, in other words, that's what we do. Is it, it, It's to, to above uh, with a view toward protecting, protecting. So that's more of a protecting mechanism, protecting the company's organization uh, or whatever it is, their interest, their reputation. So we never want to do anything to compromise a business, a school, a church, uh, or anything, or any place that we serve. Yes? And so, so what does this look like in shoe leather to dress and to keep? Let's talk about it a little bit deeper. If we replace the word garden, look in your text, with words like home, workplace, relationships, school, team. Does it start making more sense to you now? The garden is your sphere. That's where you are. That's where you act. Okay. That's where you serve. Okay. But you can serve with a bad attitude. And the attitude piece is covered by keeping. We serve not only uh, because we're supposed to, but we're supposed to do it with a smile and, 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 and with professionalism. Yes? So we'll understand how this servant spirit translates then into real life. So the way we serve, that is dress, and the way we preserve or keep, because we're talking about those key words, dress and keep, our homes, our jobs, our friends, our classmates, our teachers, our fellow church members, is really all the same. We first keep their best interests in mind, yes? And, and we consider them above ourselves. The Bible's very clear about that. Here's a classic passage. Look up on the screen. The Bible says, fulfill you my joy, Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. Fulfill you my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Okay, through uh, fussing and through you wanting to get the pats on the back. No, this is a team effort, yes? The Bible says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, yes? So four thoughts here. Same love. That word is agape. Okay, very common Greek word in the Bible. And it means unconditional, self-sacrificing type of love. Yes? That's the same love that we ought to always exercise everywhere we go and with everybody that we come across. Yes? Then there's one accord. Notice that. One accord. No, that's not a Honda accord. Amen? But this is one accord. The word is from a very interesting Greek word. Soon psychos. Soon is a very common preposition, not preposition, but prefix which means together with, in union with. And then you have the word psychos, from which we get different kind of words, psychology and psychological and so forth. You put the two together, soon, which means together with, and psychos, which means the soul, the inner self, 
uh, the life or the seat of the feelings, desires, and affections. So the word then refers to being united in spirit or harmonious. That's what that word means, one accord. Paul desired the Philippians here in this church to be united in their affections. Do you see that? Yeah. The, 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 the fact that they were one in Christ in all their desires in verse 2. This is the only occurrence of this unique word, by the way, in the New Testament. So it's very, very special. So we are to be of one uh, same love, one accord. Then thirdly, one mind. Notice that, one mind. Mm. Uh, to be single in mindset, in sentiment, in our views, in our agreement and party. Not necessarily Republican and, and Democrat. I don't mean that. But, but in our affiliations, we should have the same goals in mind. Okay? Amen? Yeah. And then others-oriented. We should be others-oriented. We see that very clearly and plainly, I think, in that text. There's no room for selfishness in biblical Christianity. Mm. Okay? Self, selflessness is really how we roll, yes? Selflessness. Let's move on to another thought about what we're to be doing down here. Not only are we to stay busy working, but we are also in verses 16 and 17 of our text in Genesis chapter 2 uh, to stay away from sin. Yeah. Stay away from sin. Here's now we're going to deal with this tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. I know y'all been dying to get into that. Well, let's talk about this tree. Okay? Nobody that we know of has a tree like this growing in their backyard. Adam and Eve was the only ones. Amen? So let's talk about this tree of the knowledge of good. The key word, and I want you to get this, okay, is a little insignificant word, and that is the key word in this passage, okay? Because we know about evil already, and we know, today at least we know, about, and we know about good. We understand it. But, but and breaks it up, and it helps us distinguish between the two, okay? Uh, it's kind, you can't have your cake and eat it too kind of thing. Okay? You can't have the, 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 the fruit of the tree in a wrong way, and so forth and so on, however you want to put it. But well, let's talk about this. So we see the beginnings here then of sin and death, and these go hand in hand then as righteousness and life do. So the knowledge of good and evil in verse 17. Here, up to this point, Adam and Eve only had a knowledge of good. God created everything good. He never created evil. There was We talked about last week, we don't believe in eons and eons and millions and millions of years. I can trace you back through the Bible for a young earth and argue for a six to 10,000 year old earth. I can take you back through Kings and Chronicles and date back through Kings and those reckonings, yada, 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 and take you back uh, roughly to that period of time. So we're looking at a young earth, not a millions and millions of years. And so that would have meant then that Adam and Eve would have been created over a graveyard. They weren't created over a graveyard. There were not bones underneath the garden, under their feet. Everything was new, fresh, and alive. Do you get that? Yeah. Death happened later. That didn't happen before. And so we established that. We're not going to go back over that territory again. So, but nonetheless, I say that to say this, is that up to this point, that's all they knew. God had made everything good. Uh, but man's disobedience and contaminating God's good tree would soon change all that. Mm. See, not only would man be judged, but also his work and the ground that he tilled. See, with I need to take you back even farther <laughs> in recorded biblical history. And we have to get into books like uh, 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 Isaiah and Ezekiel to see this. 
but but basically before there was a fall in the garden with man that we'll see in chapter three there was a fall in eternity past in heaven already with lucifer we need to go all the way back sin did not originate in the garden okay sin originated in heaven with, with lucifer so lucifer and one third of the angelic realm amen having already fallen sometime in eternity past now they show up in the garden the, the, the serpent show up in the garden amen mm -hmm. so only god up to this point understood the concepts of sin and evil mm -hmm. okay and and lucifer of course and those fallen angels so now god's newest glorious creation which tastes corruption now for the first time are you with me so far mm -hmm. okay so what you have to understand is this doctrinal truth sin entered the world as we know it through Adam and Eve. But sin entered the universe through Lucifer. That's what we must understand. Sin was already present, okay? Not necessarily under the ground in the form of dead animals and people, but in the form of an already fallen angelic race prior to Adam and Eve's appearance in the Garden of Eden. You must understand that. Okay? There's no other explanation for that. There's no other explanation for him even putting a tree to cause sin and evil unless sin had already been present in some degree in the created order. Yes? Yeah. So we need to understand this. Okay? Because if we leap off this wrong, we might miss the swimming pool and hit the concrete on the side. You don't want to do that. Okay? All right. So we need to dive off into some deep water. And we need to make sure that that water can sustain us. You don't want to dive off a diving board in the shallow end. Amen? Mm. And God forbid you mess up goofing around and you wind up on the concrete pavement on the side. So we need to make sure we go off into the right water here. Safe water. So the knowledge of good and evil. Let, let's, let's kind of probe this a little bit. See, we're we curious creatures. We just got to have the forbidden, don't we? We got to try that appealing sin. That, that that play or that occult game or watch that X-rated or even some really bad R-rated movies. Uh, we might listen to the popular worldly tracks just to see for ourselves. But as Adam and Eve would soon learn, that mindset comes back to bite us again in the end. Mm -hmm. Amen. And let me say this, and I think it'll help you really understand because we haven't quite got into chapter three yet. But just a little prelude to that. Serpents do bite when they are aroused, you know. Mm -hmm. They do bite, okay? You don't want to mess with them. See, when we get a taste of something new and exciting for the first time, there's often no going back. Mm -hmm. That's how narcotics work. Satan uses this phenomenon to his advantage in, in the areas of deviant, deviant sexual behaviors and social behaviors and psychological behaviors and so on and so on. So, we need to stay away from sin. This tree of the knowledge of good and evil was put there by God uh, for whatever reason. Uh, he allowed it to be there to see what man would do, and man messed up. We couldn't even get the one job. He had one job, <laughs> basically, to do it. Messed that up. Okay? Stay away from the tree. Stay away from sin. Stay busy working. Okay? And stay away from, this, stay away from sin. Number three. Number three thought for us today from this chapter is stay in love with your mate and have children. For us as grands, we're looking forward to them grandbabies. Huh? Amen. And so, so, but, but let's kind of talk about some key thoughts here in verses 18 and 20 through 25, and, and even a little bit out of 
Bounce back with me because I just want you to re be reminded about this verse. We've read it already. Chapter 1, verse 28. Let's bring that now into the discussion once again. Hmm. Chapter 1 says, And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Amen? Hmm. That'll kind of help us. Stay on track here with this point. Staying in love with your mate and have children. But let's talk about some of the words here associated with this in verse 18. He says it's not good that man should be alone. You see that word alone? Mm -hmm. God designed us folks for togetherness and community. Um, and this is why people wash out on shows like Alone. If you've ever seen that, these survival shows, they place them on this deserted place somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. It's cold and they got to hunt and trap for their food, and they're dropped off in this uninhabited place to see how long they're going to last. Mm -hmm. The very longest anybody lasted, I think, was 100 days. Mm -hmm. That was the longest. I don't know of anybody who's lasted longer than that. Mm -hmm. And so apart from constant hunger, many tapped out. They call it tapping out. You call on the radio and say, I'm ready to go home. The bus, or not the bus, but the boat or the plane or whatever they can get to you will come and get you. Okay? And many tapped out because they couldn't be separated from their spouses another day or from their loved ones another day. We're designed for community. We're not designed to be alone. Hmm. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Amen. I was one of them mad at the world singles. I'm just being honest. I did not like it. Uh, we have a little kid, bless her heart, sweet little girl, um, has autism, and, and it's just not her fault. She doesn't know. But she's when she's upset, I don't like it. I don't like it. She'll say that. And uh, you know, and so I was like her. I just don't like being, I did not like being single. My wife is my best friend. We do everything together. There's not anything I don't think that we that we that we kind of do in life that we don't intersect at and enjoy doing. Even if I don't do it, I might be in a room while she's knitting or crocheting or whatever she's doing, and she might be in a room while I'm studying. Whatever the case may be. I'll go turn on the fireplace and whatever have you, and then we'll do our thing in there and, and just being together. But but I say that to say this here is God has has not gifted us as a race of people, as a human population, to be alone. That's what I'm saying to you. So, so there's a help in verse 18 that's meet for us, okay? that is prepared for us. Let me talk about this. this is a very interesting couple of words here we need to understand. So I'm going to spend some time here. Two Hebrew words make up this statement, okay? where it says a help meet for him. Okay? That's two words in the Hebrew. Let me explain them to you. One of them is ezer. Okay? That means help. So that's where that word comes from. That's a helper or some, some or, or an aid, assistant, if you will. And then you have, it's coupled with another Hebrew word, kenegeto, kenegeto which uh, means meet for him, meet for him. In other words, means suitable, a fit partner. Um, corresponding to, cor comparable to, if you will, uh, and, and given as a strength to the relationship. Okay? There are some things that mama bear and daddy bear bring to the relationship. One can survive on his or her own without the other, but there's some animals that mama bear can't take down because daddy bear's bigger. You start getting up into that elk family and the moose family, uh, uh, baby, <laughs> I'm buying this one. Huh? I'll get the little rabbit. I'll get the little whatever, you know. But no, I ain't messing that boy too big. And them antlers, I ain't messing with them antlers. Huh? Okay. So, so there's some things that we bring to the table. Yes. Uh, husbands, wives, boys and girls, however you want to say it. 
um, and so forth and so on. And I might as well just go ahead and say it. You can send me hate emails or whatever you want to, but I'm not politically correct. God made Adam and Eve. He did not make Adam and Steve, and he did not make Eve and Yvette. Amen. Amen. So we are totally against the whole LGBTQ and every one of them letters in there. God only made M and W. That's the ones that really need to be in there. Man and woman. There is no LGBTQ. So so anyway, I just figured I'd go ahead and throw that out there. We love you. Love everybody. But I just want you to understand that we do not support that gay lifestyle in any way, shape or form. Not even a little bit. Okay. We're not uh, uh, bashers. Uh, we're truth mongers. We, tr we, we preach the truth and teach the truth. Amen. That's what God made. So I just want you to understand that's our position on that. So 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 when we talk about a couple, we're talking about a couple of male and female made them. The, the, the base word here then literally means like of him or of his. That's the idea that we see wrapped up in, in this. The noun form of this second Hebrew word often carries the idea of face to face. So, so so, when you think about this thing here, it's someone who was being opposite Adam. Thus, a very literal translation of this text would read something like this. I will make him a helper as his opposite. Eve was to be Adam's <laughs> other half. Amen? To be his other half. Like him, but with opposite attributes. Interestingly, in Genesis chapter 127, God fills Adam um, with this with his shadow, meaning he placed the representation of himself in the man. We also read there that God filled them and made them male and female, that he placed within each of them his attributes. Yes. You know, I find it interesting also that God is the one who designed this unique mutual partnership. Okay? God did this. God is the one that put them together, amen? Yeah. And, and not evolution. We didn't come from monkeys. We did not evolve from lower life forms. Somebody say amen right there. God, by sovereign decree, said, I will make him. Mm -hmm. That's a sovereign decree. I will. I, I decide to make him. I, I, I pronounce him and her uh, a human being. So, and, and Eve, really, as his living partner is what he's talking about. I will make him a help me. In other words, I will make him an Eve. So now we need to talk about Eve. Eve's very name, Adam's means man or mankind. Eve's name means life. That's what it means. The main name means life. Thus, she wasn't an android, nor was she a robot partner. Not at all. She was made of the same stuff that Adam was but not in the same way that he was. She is the most uniquely created being in the whole universe. Mm -hmm. Not any other being was created the way that Eve was. Okay, mm -hmm. Almost a secondary creation from, a, from another creation. God took some extra steps to make her special, yes? Mm -hmm. so, so, so let me say that to say this here. The fact that God used a rib from Adam I know we haven't quite gotten to all these details yet. We probably read some of this, maybe some of it we'll get into in chapter three, but but I think most of this we read. But 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 I say that just to say this. The, the fact that he used this rib from Adam to create Eve heightens the significance of Eve as Adam's helpmeet, doesn't it? When you think about it. She wasn't just another creation put together out of some dead dirt like Adam was. 
See, unlike any other created being, Eve was specially engineered from his living stuff. She was made from stuff that was alive already. Adam wasn't. Are you hearing me? And so Adam's already alive genes became part of her living substance. And that's how Eve became the mother of all living. There's a verse here in scripture that says this in Adam. Look up here on the screen. The Bible says, call his wife's name Eve. You see that? Because she was the mother of all living. And so there's great significance in that name, Eve. Notice in verse 25 here of our chapter that she is referred to as his wife. His wife. Way is in the context of marriage. Sadly, so often when I'm telling people about our son and his wonderful bride to be, the very next question that I get so often, it's because of our culture, it's so ingrained and shacked up first. Oh, so were they living together first? No, no, that shouldn't even be a normal question. It is a normal question for the world, but I'll, oh man, I jump right all over. Oh, not at all. We are Christian. I use that as a witnessing opportunity. Oh no, they better not. Huh? Oh no, he did, right? And so forth and so on. No, we taught our children better than that. You get married, you meet somebody, you court them properly, date them properly, so forth and so on. Uh, we teach our young men, our men, and I had two boys to be leaders. Never let a girl lead you in a relationship. Okay? She can maybe lead you in the mall or lead you here or that and things that, but, but when it comes to life in general, God made male leadership. Okay? Male leadership. We're big on that. Maybe that's not your thing. You're not popular with that. I just believe what the Bible says. God made man and God made man to lead. Amen? So we teach our boys to lead. Okay? But lead lovingly. Lead gently. Lead kindly. Lead graciously. So, so, so he, he, he gave her as his wife. And I want you to understand, this world is so entrenched in promiscuity that biblical marriage is almost non-existent anymore. Mm-hmm. I've been in ministry, I don't know if this, I, this, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I've been in ministry from coast to coast in several different churches for 30 years. I have never done a wedding. Just never have. I've never had the privilege of doing a wedding. Um, and, and so it's not that people aren't getting married anymore. It's just that they're doing it backwards. So then they want to come to me and ask me to fix the mess. And I'm like, no, no, no. Y'all need counseling first. Y'all need to separate first. Y'all need to live as though you were unmarried before we No, 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 no. Uh-uh. We need to not, we need to undo everything y'all did. Do it right. And let's start off on the right foot going forward. Amen. Mm-hmm. See, see, my pastor used to say, you got to buy the cow. You can't just get the milk for free. Amen. And so that's what they do. They live together many times and have multiple children with multiple different relationships and partners and nobody in the kid. They don't, none of them look alike, you know, and whatever have you. Uh, but they're all wonderful creations of God. They didn't ask to be brought into the planet that way. And, and we have no fault with them. Our fault is with the sin. That's the fault. The fault is the sin. God loves babies. He just hates fornication. Do, do you understand? Amen. So, so the, the fact that God loves babies and he hates fornication means he still honors birth, even though he dishonors what brought the birth to I can't get my mind around it. In other words, why wouldn't God just not allow her to have babies? That's just not God how, how he rolls. He's a loving, compassionate, gracious God. And in our worst day, he's always good. In our worst mess, he's always good to us. 
Amen. Amen. And he brought a child like that into the world uh, for whatever reason. And, and, and many that are growing up in single parent homes and, and never have a, a father in the home, never have a permanent uh, husband of a, of a wife in the home, have grown up to be wonderfully um, prosperous and successful uh, in their own right. In many venues in our world today, mm -hmm. many great preachers in our world today. So his wife, his wife. I want you to notice also in verse 25, they were together, but they were not ashamed. You see that? Mm -hmm. They weren't ashamed. So you poor, so you insignificant, so you are a minority, so you handicapped, or whatever. And that's my next question. And see, 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 my question is, why are you ashamed? Ashamed of what? Of being a uniquely created being of God? Are you ashamed? You see, I want to ask it a different way. Are you a unique creation of an almighty, all-knowing God who made you exactly who you are? Amen. Because we already established last week you didn't evolve from lower life forms into humans. God made you this highest creation from the get-go. Amen. And so as God's direct and unique creation that now, why are you now all of a sudden you ashamed? What are you ashamed of? Of what? God don't make no jump. You do understand that, yes? God don't make no jump. See, Adam and Eve knew they were different from the animals. They knew that. Um, they knew that they were given dominion over them. Even though animals like dinosaurs, many other land animals and mammals and primates and farm animals, many of them were larger and more powerful than them. They still knew that they were God's highest created order. Because, see, all you got to do is outthink a dinosaur. You ain't got to outrun it. You just got to outthink it. That's all. Amen. And, and so, and all other animals. So they would remain the top of the food chain then as the greatest thinkers on the planet. Are you with me? Adam and Eve, they weren't ashamed because of who they were and how they were created. And at this point, they had not yet tasted the forbidden fruit. We back to that again. Back to that tree. See, when we become ashamed of who we are, it's because we tasting and eating false human philosophies of the Kins and the Barbies of this world. Are you hearing me today? See, in reality, most of us are just average Johns and average Jane Doe's. Do you get that? So stop being ashamed of who you are and walk in who God made you to be. Amen? Let, let me just close with some thoughts here. You know, think about this. And why did God create Adam first before Eve? I started thinking about that. We could even, we could get into the whole rib thing and we could preach a series of messages about all of its connotations and illustrations. And that would be fun. It would be great to do that. We could invoke the whole male leadership thing. And I could get into passages that talk about that and yada, 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 and that whole doctrine. We could maybe, maybe he came first so, so he could get a home base situated and a house built. You know, that would be a noble reason, a noble thing to do. You know, some say the delay in making Eve is in light of the psychological and emotional dynamic that animals don't have. They don't typically have that. So Adam being alone could feel his need for companionship. 
God would want him to feel that deeply and understand he needed an Eve. Amen. I, I know if, if Adam didn't feel that, I know I did. Amen. Back in the day, but oh my goodness gracious, those years from like 21 to like 30, oh my goodness, that was brutal. Those were some brutal nine years. I hung on by faith and the skin of my teeth. Amen. Mm -hmm. Some some say the delay in making Eve would, would, would just to get Adam to the place psychologically he would welcome her. You know, if you will, he could feel his need for companionship and thus not make a, a take Eve for granted in a sense. Mm -hmm. I, I've heard that he made Adam first because men are simple and easy. You know, we don't have just throw a lot of dirt down on the thing and rip, 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 and we done. We good. You know, I got what two, three pair of jeans, you know, and a couple shirts. I'm good. I don't need a whole lot of stuff. Okay, <laughs> just throw me on a spinning wheel, get me going, and, and cut me loose in the garden. And let me do my thing. Eve a whole other story. They're different. Okay? They're very different. So 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 I, I so when you think about Eve, Eve was a little more complex. Uh very special creation. There, there were some things that were very unique and complex about this masterpiece that God was making, so God made her a little bit different way. She didn't make her the same way she made any other creation uh in the world, including Adam. So we could go down a lot of different roads with this. But on a lighter side, however, I, I don't know that I've heard anything quite as funny as this. And I'm just being like being funny as the reason that God made Eve first is because he ain't want to really want her to tell him how to make Adam. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Adam and Eve. And thank you, Lord, that they had a destiny to 